This is episode 56, straight up chat about men's health with my guest Pauline Crawford-Umps. Welcome to the show. This is Straight Up Chat About Men's Health. I'm interviewing influencers, subject matter experts, psychologists, specialists, people who've been on a journey of adversity. Today I have Pauline Crawford-Omps joining me. We're going to be talking about gender dynamics. Pauline has developed through her business, Gender Dynamics International, a blueprint for men and women to understand each other better. We'll get into that conversation shortly. Before we do, I want to declare the winner of the competition I ran in episode 50 of the podcast. That was with Rob Moore. We were celebrating a milestone of 50 episodes, and I'm giving away one of his books, Routine Equals Results, Plan, Manage, and Master Your Diary, Time, and Life. Great book, very helpful, and I'm giving that away for free to the winner, who I'm going to declare very shortly. The person who did win not only subscribed to the podcast and entered the competition, but also sent me a testimonial, which I want to read out because I was just so thankful and so grateful for these words. To the Manbits podcast, I can't express enough how relevant the random content is and how each story can resonate in different ways. Diverse guest backgrounds and stories that hit home to those who allow it. I'm big on driving my emotional intelligence and this podcast delivers. And there have been so many associates who I've excitedly recommended knowing of their personal adversities. I'm not ashamed to admit I've serial binged your series and a couple of episodes I'd happily hark back to for a refresh. Thanks for your continual passion bringing difficult issues to the forefront. First of all, thank you to the person who wrote that testimonial. That person is Tristan. You are the winner of the competition from episode 50. You've won the book, Routine Equals Results by Rob Moore. Congratulations. I'll make sure that that book gets to you. And again, I do totally appreciate your support. The fact that you're sharing the show and subscribing really makes a huge difference. And to anyone else who is listening, I love to hear from you. I love to hear your feedback. So please give us a review. It just fills my bucket to hear. So thanks again. Okay, on with the episode with Dr. Pauline Crawford-Omps. We'll get into gender dynamics and how we can understand each other a little better. Thanks for joining me. And the first question I'm going to ask you, Pauline, is what's your story? What brought you to do what you love and love what you do? Well, my story, Paul, is all about connection. And uh, when I look back along the story of my life, it's all about connecting the dots up. In fact, when I was a child, I loved those exercises where you, you, you joined the dots up and worked out whether it was a cat or a dog. But the story of my life is that I was born into a very happy, connected family. I was a third child. I always dreamed that this kind of unity and connection would be there forever. But actually, I've changed my life significantly. I've taken things apart. I've released lots of times and I've moved on and moved on and moved on which I think when I was a, a young girl, I didn't really expect to do. I thought the trajectory of my life would be just sort of happy, happy conversations and, and almost the, the fairy tale love story. Just linear. Yeah. And, and it, it wasn't like that. But in fact, it was exactly what it needed to be because it was full of variety. And so connection and variety are a couple of the themes of my life. Um, I'm now called the Ambassador of Magical Conversations, and that's all about connecting. It's all about people being in 
a joyful connection with each other. So when I look back at the times when I have changed my life very dramatically, which has had an impact on other people, I try to do it in the best sense of harmony, which sounds like a contradiction, but I, I do now do what I love. And curiously, when I was at school, uh, I was always connecting people and I was always having conversations. And I was even chastised by the teachers because I talked too much. They said it will never get you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that school life like for you? Was it, uh, you know, you had that connectedness at home and everything. Was it uh, the same outside of the home? Yes, it was. And, and in, interesting enough, I was actually at the same school from the age of four to the age of 18, which in most people's experience is, is very unusual. So it was it was a local, as it was, Catholic school in North London. Uh, my sister was there as well. And the primary school, the junior school and the upper school were all on the same grounds. And so until I was 18, I I never even imagined that I would leave home. But I kind of knew I would, uh, and I went off to university, which happened to be in the West Country of England. So it wasn't abroad or anything, but that was that was very significant. And from then on, I felt like uh, I started that my traveling life, but I wanted to have connection. I wanted family around me. And um, so it was in many ways seamless. At university, I, I met a boy, in fact, the first week, and he was the boy that I married six years later and was with for 30 years. You mentioned the West Country. Uh, I went to Exeter University and this was way back in 1967. And so way before digital connection, you didn't have a little telephone at the end of your arm. And uh, it was really quite scary going off on that train. My parents didn't take me down. They put me on a train. I mean, I was grown up enough. But when I think about it, it was... The first big adventure, big, big adventure. And I think maybe I got a taste of it even then. We talked before, when we when we have a conversation before, we, we got a little bit into the gender dynamics, which is the area you're in now with a, a blueprint around that, and we'll get into that. Blue being the theme for today, for anyone who's listening to the show, <laughs> uh, Pauline looks wonderful because she's got this blue theme of hair and clothes, and it's very peaceful, very calming. So it's, it's very nice to, for the conversation. But what does gender dynamics mean? What does gender dynamics mean, just to help people really understand what that is? Well, gender dynamics is all about the dynamics. So the thing is to concentrate on the dynamics, because the word gender often causes very interesting responses. But gender dynamics is a sense of how do boys and girls, men and women, get on with each other and and the, it is reflective of my life because I was a third child of four and there were two brothers and a sister so there were two boys two girls and I related to my brothers and sisters in a very different ways and I was a bit of a tomboy and my sister was a much more of a ballerina girl and I was curious even then about the dynamic between us why was I you know so keen on connection and yet I was very different in fact I was known as a rebel when I didn't really think I was a rebel and as I grew into my 20s, I, I married the boy that I met at university, and we had a boy and a girl. And in fact, the whole of my family has had boys and girls. So it's interesting because you get some families where there's all girls and all boys. And so I was always surrounded by uh, boys and girls, and I truly loved the kind of um, tomboyish pursuits. I mean, I remember actually playing football 
And when I was a kid, I wanted to be a stowaway on a on the tall ships and sail the seas. Um, but I was also a dancer and definitely female. So when I got into my 30s, I started thinking about, you know, who am I as a woman? How do I relate to what's going on around me? And in my late 30s, I got into the image profession. And the image, uh, image consultancy had come to England in 1989. And... When I entered that, I wasn't really thinking about how women were changing in the world, but I was fascinated by people. And there was men and women clients, and I was working with them. And I started observing differences. And I wanted to know why some people were the way they were. So the gender dynamics was about different types of women who were in front of me as clients. And, and I worked with men as well, so different types of men. Um, and just... Flipping back a bit, I was also a mathematician and an artist. So, you see, joining up the dots and drawing things was very explicit and implicit in my life. And I, w I was a dressmaker from a, a young girl my mum taught my sister and I. And it was very much about putting pieces of fabric together. So when I looked at the bodies in front of me, I was looking at the bodies as almost like jigsaw puzzle. And so the dynamic was not only between men and women, but the dynamic of their body. And a very simple observation came to me that helped me understand who I was as a tomboy girl because my bone structure and my body shape, albeit with some curves around it with flesh, was actually quite an angular body. I would stand straight. I, was, I would stride into a room. I got quite square hands. Just little things. I love straight lines. My wardrobe would be full of straight lines and squares. And this is what I observed in my clients, that the slightly more softer body shapes would love the soft things. And the sharper ladies would like straight things. And then I recognized that the dynamic led into what they did as a business. So the more angular woman that I started identifying as myself, as what I call now a masculine-minded woman, was also most likely to be an engineer or a business major or, you know, something which was, dare I say, more masculine. And the feminine females were more likely to be in uh, service sectors, uh, HR. Um, and, and similarly for men, although men haven't got the, the wide variety that women have, there was the more angular man, the straighter man and the softer man. And that's really where gender dynamics came from, although... I didn't design my blueprint till 2008. So I think in life, and this is advice to people listening, often there are traits or things that are going to come through in your life and you need to recognize them that they've sometimes always been there. It wasn't just this big aha moment. It, it evolved over the first uh, 40 years of my life. And there's a lot of info out there about masculine energy and feminine energy. And, you know, uh... I've seen a lot of videos around it and so on. And to be honest, some of those narratives are quite fluffy, the masculine energy and feminine energy. Fluffy in the way that they're not very specific in what they are. So what do you make of that? What are masculine energy and feminine energy? Well, th this is where I've made a distinct difference. And I think that's where my evolution of what I now call my blueprint came in because masculine and male gets muddled and feminine and female gets muddled. And, and this was my kind of query to myself because I thought, well, I have got this quite masculine energy and um, 
sometimes I think, well, I, I'm I'm not as soft as maybe I should be as a woman, but I'm definitely female. I, I was a mother by then, and now I'm a grandmother, but I was not maybe as earthly as my um, what I call the earth mother, nurturing woman. I, I I was much more interested in business, but I think in society we got muddled up between masculine always being attached to male and feminine always attached to female. So what I did is I said, right, let's separate them because there are there are lots of groups of men now who are going into the woods and, and doing masculine warrior trips and, and that's okay too. But there are, if a woman has a masculine energy, it doesn't mean she's a male. And and she might be anything on the LBGT agenda. It's not about sexual variations. It's a style of behavior and physicality. And curiously, there are a lot of people now looking at the masculine and feminine energy in every one of us. But that's also not to be confused with being a member of the other gender. So you can be male and be masculine as a, as a, a an extra energy in your body and your mind. You can be male and be have a feminine energy in your body and your mind which i think is very much yourself you know you're you're definitely a man but you like the intuitive creative feminine energy of dancing uh, of um, feeling uh, of verb uh, verbal dexterity words all those things are part of a feminine energy so i'm separating biology and energy and biology is in our body and we can all of us have a biology and we can all have a balance of a of, a, of some percentage of 100% masculine and feminine energy and some people have an absolute pure mix which is why that gets confusing too and conflicting i would imagine what i make of that is that there's somewhat of a spectrum that at one end, let's, looking at males, at one end you might have a masculine-minded male, and at the far other end you'd have a feminine-minded male, and 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 everybody's somewhere in there, whether it be closer to one end than the other. And same goes for females. So it, to, to give an example, which might help, um, I often think of somebody like uh, Nelson Mandela. I would call a feminine-minded male, but he's actually very, very manly, but has that intuitive feeling energy as opposed to a very masculine male where you might find in in a chairman of the board often are very structured and boxed and 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 actually geared to that job and for females what would be there some traits for females their traits the masculine minded woman would often be quite hard nosed in business be a very sort of logical uh, application but she's still got the female ability to make relationships and nurture Whereas the feminine female will be more, in my terms, a more of a sovereign character, more uh, observing her territory and making sure everybody is okay. But again, they're all female. So they, the thing they have in common is that they're all relationship builders, they're all nurturers, whereas the men tend to be all singular-minded, more boxed, task-focused. So even you as a, a gentle-minded male, is still more task focused than a woman. I'm not much for fluffing around the subject. I like to get to the point, and that definitely comes through um, for me. But that is also somewhat a little bit of a uh, left brain thinking versus that right brain creative mind side of things. So it's you know somewhat on the same kind of um, example. But 
I observe that a lot of people might be thinking that someone on the far side of the feminine-minded male might seem, quote-unquote, a bit camp or a bit effeminate. But that's not accurate, is it? No. And you see, being, being effeminate, and, and, you know, that's where we have to be really careful with words. And so I'm being very careful about how I describe the feminine-minded man who is intuitive thinking is, if you like, a feeler-thinker but still task-focused. He may be heterosexual or homosexual. It actually doesn't matter because if feminism is not necessarily a baseline homosexual trait. So a, 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 a lesbian who's more maybe masculine-minded will actually seek a partner who's more feminine-minded. So uh, it's really important that people separate that, that this is not about sexual variations. This is about core behavior. And what I'm looking to is to find out how the dynamic works between who I am on the map of the blueprint and who anybody else is. And there's some baseline core behaviors that are different between men and women. And then there are core differences within genders, which uh, if they're misunderstood, can cause real problems and get caught up in this sort of spiral of other topics and, and get into biases and stereotypes and all sorts of things. So I think in today's world, it's quite it's a, it's a, a tricky area to get into, but I always emphasize it's about behavior and what behavior leads to communication and relationships. Yeah, there was a probably 10 years ago that obviously I'd been conditioned in some way to see a homosexual male as being you know, a uh, sort of feminine type behavior however i watched the tv show as playing it straight some years ago and the winner of that show guys would come on and they'd have one girl and they'd all date them it's a very very trashy show but a bunch of guys would date this one girl and if the girl could guess whether he was gay or not he gets kicked off or something and then but if she doesn't the guy stays in and then at the end you know the winner declares if he is straight or gay anyway the winner was gay and because she didn't get that he wasn't he was playing it straight but he was a really masculine male he was a brickie he was a trade tradesman and he said at the end i just wanted to debunk the myth that you know we're not all what you think we are we some of us are just blokes uh, we just have a different sexual preference. It's very simple. <laughs> well, absolutely, Paul. And I think this is really important because if you start, if anybody is observing couples, then in a homosexual couple, there'll always be a feminine and a masculine. And in fact, there there is a lot of research now that the masculine male gay man is a very good chairman because he has the, the overriding behavioral traits that a masculine male uh, a very direct decision-making chairman of the board needs, but he does have that uh, sense of his own feelings more so than a straight man, and and also true on on the female side. And, and my dream is that we can actually see this as a 360-degree circuit, so we get away from this polarization that, depending on your your upbringing, your your biased views. You, but you can get rid of those by understanding actually none of that is real. Everybody has character traits. And I would say, you know, the conversation is led by who's around the table. Uh, and so I'm looking at the behavioral traits around the table, whatever sexual variation it is, and whatever generation it is, and whatever culture it is, 
And for instance, there are certain characters on my blueprint who don't particularly like conversation. Can you guess who that is? It's the masculine male. And so that, I mean, and that's because he's, he likes things in a box and conversation very lim often doesn't come in a box. Um, so he does, he will have conversation, but it'll be a different type of conversation to maybe some of the other parties around the table. It's fascinating. You're listening to Straight Up Chats with the Man Bits Podcast. Are you ready for the middle bits? Yes. Yes. What's your number one tip for a fulfilled life? Make sure you keep on smiling, especially when you make mistakes and take responsibility for everything you do. Sounds like the words of experience. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And, and very much led by my, my parents who very much helped me understand that. You know, always take responsibility for what you do. Whose work has influenced your work? Is there a mentor or coach or influencer that's, in, that's inspired you or taught you along the way? I think my, my, my greatest inspiration is Oprah Winfrey, I have to say, and Maya Angelou and, and um, Marianne Williams, women who have actually talked their truth but have not been spiteful or malicious. Uh, I, I do like that. And men, I love the Dalai Lama and, and totally different, but this is to do with my mindset, Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, well, how come? Because Leonardo da Vinci is my... I'm a mathematician and artist, and I just love his brilliant mind to be able to put things together. Such a variety in his career as well, right through. Yes, and a great connector. Not connected with people, but connecting ideas. And that's what I do as well, is that I kind of... I see a situation, I put it on the blueprint, and then I make the connections and give it back to the person and say, what would you like to do with this now? Is there a uh, book, a useful book? Uh, actually, let me ask another way. What was the last book that you were reading? Well, actually, you might know it is by uh, Mark Manson, the, the Subtle Art of Not Giving in F-U-C-K. You can say fuck, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> but it, on the cover, it's F-star-C-K. But I love the the... the it's actually don't get stuck in the stuff because, you know, we spend too much time worrying about the stuff that we don't need to get involved in and not doing the stuff that is the intention setting and the rainbow and the horizon. Um, you know, we all get stuck in the stuff, you know, have I got enough money? Can I get there? What is that person doing? Why are they being horrible? Why does this, you know, all those stuff, but it's all stuff. The rainbow is where you put your intentions and you go, this is the meaning of my life and that's where I'm working towards. So for me, the dream is to have everybody in the world understand what a magical conversation is and to practice them every day. Because why do you want to live in a world of fear when you can live in a world of love and magic? And I don't mean spooky magic, I mean just imagine, using your imagination, your curiosity, listening to people, sharing and believing in the unknown possibilities that there are and which some would describe as be just being authentic but uh, it seems that that word is almost lost now in the uh, in the narrative magical it, it sort of appears to be uh, something that we don't quite understand well i think another word that for me comes into authentic is being genuine i believe you can tell when somebody's being genuine and that for me kind of equates to authentic because they 
they do smile at their mistakes and they do understand responsibility. So if something goes wrong, they can say, well, you know, that was my mistake and I'm sorry. Or I made that decision for that reason. And then in the moment it was right of maybe I need to change now. So they can look realistically at who they are. So they don't have to hide. So if you're if you're being authentic or genuine, you don't need to hide. Now, I don't get it right all the time. There are some times when being totally honest with yourself is a, is a journey. But I strive to do that and to recognize that every day is different and every day is learning. And I may still have another 20, 30 years. I've still got a lot to learn. As do I. You, you've mentioned intention, which is perfect, because my next question is, if there was one word you could choose which sets your intention for, let's say, the coming 12 months, what would that word be? Abundance. And, and I think abundance is a, a, a very, again, a concept that not everybody understands, that, that it's not about abundance just coming to me. It's about giving and, and receiving. So if you, if you use the metaphor of a table of abundance, you don't go to the table and take what you want before you've put on the table what you have to give. And the idea is you, you, you put your natural gift on the table and then you seek to receive something that you need that somebody else has put on. And that's what the truth of abundance is. Instead of this, well, I did that, so you this. And that kind of conditioned supply and demand is not what it's about. It's actually just giving because you have it naturally to give without question and without condition. That's a wonderful descriptor of that. You made it through the middle bits, Pauline. <laughs> Good. I can imagine, uh, I can imagine a, a bloke, uh, a fella, a guy sitting and listening to this conversation and saying to himself, what the hell are they talking about, feminine, masculine? I'm a man. Uh, there's no feminine in me. So how do we debunk that stereotype that, that we're all buying into um, because it, it comes from a very, very young age, obviously conditioned over many years? So how do we debunk this myth? Well, I, th I think it has to be through um, listening without prejudice and having something constructive to take your thoughts forward. And this is why I created a blueprint. I mean, the blueprint is very practical. Uh, it's an actual physical blueprint. So you can track yourself on it. There are traits. Uh, you can track your communication on it. It gives a very simple ways of understanding the major differences between men and women. And interestingly, I'm now set out to interview men, to ask men exactly this thing. What is the world doing to you now? What do you see in the world? What, what are the major headaches or obstacles? What are the plus points? What's the Me Too movement done for you or not? It, you know, will you advocate women? So having worked with men and women for over 30 years in the, in the corporate world of UK, Malaysia, now US, I really want to understand what men are about in absolute unconditional honesty. And so I'm recording interviews so that men can actually share and the ones I've done so far, mostly it's, it's um, I just want to have my, my say, not, not, not with any anger, but with, you know, I'd like a simple life. To be honest, most men want to be able to admit to their emotions, want to have a simple life, would like to get past, you know, do women understand me or not. And there's some very simple things that, that I can share with them. And then the blueprint will also be shared with women separately so that they also have a, a possibility of understanding what men are about by listening to these interviews. So for the man who's standing there going, but, you know, I'm just a good old fashioned man. That's fantastic. Share your thoughts. 
the interviews are not intimidating. It's really a point where I think in the world we women are not listening to men truly and men are not truly saying what they feel because they feel slightly intimidated by the world we have. And therefore for them to go off to the cave or the wood or the, the you know, the, the tiger pit is a way of releasing that or the shed. And women are the same, you know, there's a lot of women who are doing uh, goddess work and feminine and some of us, we need that. But the coming together is important and so just as an example, I do work with mixed gender where you separate the room and you ask men and women exactly the same question, i.e. how do they see each other? How do men see men and men see women? How do women see women and how do women see men? And when you turn the boards round and you look at the words, the first statement is everything that is written is true. Because every both sides look at the other and go, oh my God, but the truth is that our own perceptions and our own perspectives need to be honoured. And then we can work out how they come together. It's wonderful. Now, the blueprint, let's break into that a little bit. I'd like to break down some of uh, what you've written in that. I'm just going to bring it up on my screen here. And so we have the masculine-minded man as the ruler, the feminine-minded male as a philosopher. What's some of the specific sort of differences between those two, aside from the obvious stoicism? Well, it, yes, um, and you've got to remember that these are, they're the extremes of a spectrum. Um, so the ruler is the, the, the decisive extrovert out there, action man, in, in a way, um, and you can have a benevolent ruler or a benevolent ruler. The, the philosopher is the thinking man, the intuitive man, that, that's you, you know, you would be concerned more with feelings but you're still a male and you're still on the same spectrum as the masculine male so there may be times when you you whiz up to that mm side and sometimes you might be in the middle but if you were in a room of 90 percent masculine males and they're all hard out there being warrior you might find that challenging i do find that challenging yes and this is where it's good for men the, the masculine male to understand that the feminine male is a man he's just as manly as any of them he just has a different energy and it's not being effeminate it's not being soft but he may feel intimidated by that extroversion because even if you look at extroversion and introversion those and any person can come into conflict because the extrovert says oh for goodness sake get out there and the introvert is going no because inside, he or she is going, you know, quaking in their boots. And that's okay. It's not, we've got to get past what is a good trait and what is a bad trait. Traits are traits. If you use them badly, then they're bad. If you use them well, they're good. I take great pleasure, actually, in when I say a moment ago, uh, a struggle in a room, you know, full of masculine-minded males. I actually enjoy the dynamic that I bring in to that situation because I find myself I have the ability to just be myself I can be myself and I find that that works really well because guys actually respond to that uh, masculine minded men are as emotional as feminine minded men they just maybe struggle a little bit to, to show that but actually I believe that FMs let's call it have a good influence on the MM in that respect Absolutely, and this is one of the reasons that I'm doing this work with men, 
because I want men to understand they're all men and the world is changing. That's the other thing is the world is changing to be more fluid. I mean, if you look at technology and entrepreneurship and enterprise and the way business is across the world, you've got to be more fluid and flexible. And so the MMs, I think, sometimes are afraid of their own limitations. And the confident FM like you and others that I'm now meeting, I'm encouraging them to go out there and really talk to the MMs and say, it's okay. This is okay, you know, to be able to express your feelings. They may not want to do it as many times as you do, but the reason that you can do that now is your confidence, which you didn't have in the past. So if you reflect back to a time when you didn't have that confidence, then it was intimidating. Now it's a, it's a, a value add. I have someone to thank for that because uh, two things, actually. The first thing is a thank you, but the other thing is how MMs, I think, are probably if the worstly impacted by what I'm trying to do, which is reduce suicide. But the first thing is the thank you is a guy I met in Christchurch, um, probably as I was going through a bit of personal development, and I'm going to say his name, Mark McKenzie. He's a legend in my, in my world. He's a great friend. I was introduced to him, and the first thing he did was came up and gave me a huge bear hug just gave me a massive hug and it was a it was just a genuine hug and and I, I thought oh I've, I've never met the guy and he was just so warm and loving and we're great friends and we'll always be great friends but it, it made me realize that I felt so connected to him it made me realize that yes that's the kind of guy I am I'm a hugger you know and it just helped me sit more within the comfort of myself and I, I have about a lot to thank him for in that respect the other thing, yeah, is as you talk about masculine-minded men, I think they're the ones that struggle the most in terms of being connected with the feeling, emotion, and that's why I think we see such high suicide rates. It's a real shame, but I think it's probably the guys on that end of the spectrum that perhaps suffer the most due to that because FMs maybe can articulate what's going on for them a little better. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, yes, I think what's happening now is as an FM becomes more confident – he gets past that when he's not confident and he's being run down by the MMs, then he might commit suicide. But the MMs uh, need to be encouraged to do the hugging, to do the sharing, but understand they, they are more boxed and more rigid. So maybe it's a very focused way of uh, don't put them out in the limelight and say, you know, have a cry. But what's fascinating me with the hugs is men are hugging each other more. And I think that's really good. Uh, because in some cultures, men hug anyway. But like in the UK culture, men used to never hug. But I observed my brothers now hug, and they would hug my father when he was alive. And that only happened in the last two or three decades. And I thought, oh, my God, that is so good. And my son, who's 40, he will hug. My, my son-in-law will. And they're crowd. So there is there are more hugs. And I've noticed that when people now greet my husband, my husband now, my American husband, they'll give a hug. And for some men, they don't know how to do it. But if another man has a confidence to do it, they love it. So I really encourage hugging. I mean, hugging heart to heart is the most important thing we can do. Exactly. It's a heart to heart, as you're saying, and it's, uh, it's connectedness. And I think ultimately, that's all we really want is connectedness and love, you know, aside from everything else. True. I mean, there's only love and fear in the world. Uh, people don't realize that, you know, there are a plethora of emotions, but they all come from love and fear. So essentially, we either love and then we have joy and ecstasy, etc., or we have fear and we have hatred and anger and dis 
destroying things. So choose to be in that moment of love, and I don't mean sexual love or intimate love, but just to be connected in love to the person you're passing in the street. Hi. You know, then somebody you meet you know, to hug them. Just to, to have that word of um, be a loving in your words, be complimentary. That will make a huge difference and ripple in the, in the world. That's what Magical Conversation is about. And so how about love? Are some MMs better matched to an FF, for example, a feminine-minded female? Or is there, how, do they, how do you find the right match? Well, and this is not set in stone, but in my experience, and, and that's the best thing, because in, in, in my life, one of the, the first rule of a magical conversation is not to make a judgment. My experience that an FM, like yourself, is usually well-matched to an MF. So that if, like that intuitive male can often balance with a, a, a more driven masculine female. And, and the MM can often adore the FF, who is his, his sovereign, his queen. Now, it's not set in stone, and obviously they're, they're the ends of a spectrum. So in the, in the middle, you've got the, the man who is maybe sometimes masculine, sometimes feminine. You know, he uses that balance very well, and he's looking for the balanced uh, partner on the other side. And in gay relationships, obviously, within a gender, you you will get the masculine wanting the feminine. So it works all the way around. So there's something, if we take masculine and feminine almost as yin and yang, it's the complement of, uh, you know, the straight line and the curve, the hard and the soft. We need that mixture in our life to make everything rise. And that that's most important. That's in my experience, and I know that you, you, we uh, talked about your wife is possibly that MF, and there's that balance, yeah? I'm glad you went there and I didn't, but I was going to mention that Pascal and I had a conversation after, and yeah, I mean, I'm just reading some of the traits here of a masculine-minded female being logical, perceptive, observant, attentive, somewhat extroverted, multitasking, astute, driven. And I can identify those traits in Pascal, but there's also, there is definitely also those female traits, um, which just, you know, are naturally there anyway. So, uh, yeah, and we are, and absolutely, we are a great match. So I I think it is a bit more of that FMMF in terms of what I'm seeing from this conversation anyway. Well, it is. And I think the other thing is that the millennial overlay, which is, is another whole big subject, but I think the millennial overlay where, Everybody has, uh, is now arriving with a digital mind and a, a, a more flexible uh, mindset. Maybe we're heading towards that middle place where we understand masculine feminine energy because you still have to apply it in a situation. So I always say to a masculine-minded woman, be careful not to be too masculine in the bedroom <laughs> or, on, or on the dance floor. Because when your partner dancing, unless you decide to chose, change roles, the male usually takes the lead yeah well that's it traditionally it's a lead and i mean in terms of what i do and what i think you've done in the past it's lead and follow and that you're right actually yeah, when a when a follower is trying to lead whether they know it or not it's quite a struggle for a leader to continue well it is and and people need to not get it this is not about stereotypes you you if you want you could change over but one has to lead marginally against a follower otherwise the dance you'd be fighting you know, if both are trying to lead, it doesn't work. <laughs> if anyone's listening who is a dancer or knows me through dancing or anything, um, I would implore you, I would I would 
encourage you to go and learn the opposite uh, of your natural way. So I'm a, I'm a dance uh, lead, obviously, but I learned years ago how to follow because I teach dance as well. So I learned all the follow steps. And I'll tell you that opened my world on connectivity with my dance partner because I understood how they needed to be. I stepped in their shoes. So I had this real empathy and understanding for uh, what it felt like to be a follower in the dance tradition. And uh, it improved my dance. It improved everything. Uh, it's and I, and I love I love that Paul because actually that that's what that's what I'm intending to do by doing this work with men is to help them understand if they're looking at the blueprint. So they're looking from the the box side of the blueprint that they understand what's going on in the circle and metaphorically or practically when we get together with women they step into that space. They understand what's on that other flip chart over there and why the women have written that, and vice versa. And we get past some of these very simple things that really make a difference. As we come into the end, there's one or two things I just would love to pick your brain on. And one of those is with this power, with this knowledge of the gender dynamics blueprint, what can maybe, let's take an example. So what could a guy do if he recognizes that he's at one particular part of that uh, spectrum, MM to FM, and he also sees that he has a partner who might be somewhere on there. How can he better connect with that partner? How can he understand them better? What could he do? Well, I think by understanding some of the, the fundamental things that are different between men and women, and, and I'll give you a very simple one, you know, uh, and people always laugh about this, but because men are more singular-minded and task-focused, they tend to ask questions expecting a result, whereas women ask questions just to expand their mind. Uh, so even just understanding that basic and then within their own gender to understand that um, they may be uh, an FM and more emotionally driven to express their feelings. But for an MM, maybe they take it carefully and ask him what conversation he wants. So when you're looking across the grid or you're in your own part is being sensitive to where you are and that it's different over there. So I think the key thing is to observe that everything you say is not necessarily heard in the way you say it. <laughs> Another one is that a lot of women don't think that men appreciate them, and yet you ask any man, and they'll say, of course I appreciate women. But they need to appreciate her for at least 10 times more than they think before she says, oh, yeah, that's great. Noted. <laughs> the goal is that the blueprint is a means to the conversation. And, and the magical conversation is that you really must have no judgment and no anger and not rush into things. Think about what you're doing and how to do it. Uh, but one thing most of the men say to me is that men are much more simple and much more instructional. Please just tell us what we should do and let it be. Whereas women uh, are more complex and really would like their men to be more like the way they'd like them to be. But that's, that's my very generalization. At both sides, it takes effort to understand the other as well. So And dance together, you see. And what you said is so right. We've got to empathise and listen and share. What's next for you, Pauline? So one thing, well, what's coming up for you? And also, how can people get in touch with you? Well, what's coming up for me is that I, I am doing a series of interviews with men. My My purpose in doing that is to, with their permission, put those up on a Magical Conversation TV channel. I haven't worked out the logistics of this yet, but I've always dreamed of having a Magical Conversation TV channel where we can see into those interviews 
So they're not live because I'm not, I don't want people to interrupt the flow, but I want men and women alike to listen unconditionally. And then my dream is to take that to the bigger stage and to impact senior men in business, uh, definitely to help them understand how to lead mixed gender workforces and potentially help big major characters in the world to not have argumentative approaches and not talking about anybody but we know in the world there's a lot of anger there's a lot of arguments there's a lot of I'm right you're wrong so I'm willing to put myself out there and to put magical conversations into the boardroom into politics if if needs be and that's not being political and I would like to get on to major forums where we can get past the anger because I think time is wasted. We need to have conversations about the things that really matter, like world poverty or economic stability, all those things. The things that we really need to talk about don't get talked about because we're arguing. It's been my great pleasure to have you on the show, Pauline. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I've really enjoyed myself. That was Dr. Pauline Corfinance. Thanks for listening. To find all of our resources, to follow along any of our episodes, pick up on any of the links that we talk about, connect with Pauline or any of our guests, you can go to our show notes on our website. That's themanbits.com forward slash podcast. For this particular episode, themanbits.com forward slash 5656. So that's us this week. And before I go, I'd really love to remind you about our Patreon membership, where you can contribute to the show you can be part of the community and some of your contribution goes to charity as well that's the charity talk out loud which is a youth program on reduction of self-harm building resilience building self-esteem in youth and in their families it's a wonderful cause i urge you to go and check it out so have a look at what we're doing on the patreon community it's kind of a somewhat of a membership site but we make sure that the funds go to the sustainability of this show and the support of a local not-for-profit or charitable organization. So it's such a great cause. Please check it out. Go to themanbits.com forward slash reward, R-E-W-A-R-D, and have a look at the video there. That's themanbits.com forward slash reward. Go check it out. And I'll see you all next week. Don't forget to tune in for Sunday's bonus episode. Until then, hold on to your manbits.